0: Morning, church. Uh, my name is Colin Sanborn, and uh, I'm, as, as you've already uh, mentioned, I'm a summer intern uh, with the Hampton Roads Church this summer. Uh, and it's, it's just been an amazing time. I'm actually, I go to University of Kentucky, yeah. and uh, they call it the Harvard of the South. And uh, wow. so it's, it's cool to be up here and just to be able to learn from all the, the great minds and great hearts and just the, the awesome staff um, here at Hampton Roads Church. I mean, you guys are really blessed with just the awesome staff and, and, and people that really love God and um, pour themselves out for the for the edification of the church. Um, but I've actually, I've been staying um, with the Hutchins. Uh, Paul, the Hutchins, and you Hutchins. I'll tell you, I am, I'm I'm humbled by their, um, they're actually not here this morning, uh, I think they're at a wedding or whatnot, but they have nothing but just love out of pure heart. I mean... Ever since the day I got here, uh, they've been feeding me, which i have kind encouraged by that. And, uh, and, but I, I didn't know them at all before I came, right? And it was by the sheer grace of God that, that they opened up the doors for me and, and let me just be part of the family. I felt like I had a family here still. Um, and so I'm just really grateful for them. Um, as Maya shared, we, we went to Bush Gardens yesterday, which was really, really fun. Um, but the thing is, we, we, we started at 9.30 in the morning and we're there all day until 10 nights. And so we're kind of a little tired. I I was a little nervous, uh, because I knew I was gonna preach this morning, uh, with my brother Chance, but I was screaming like a little girl the whole time on the roller coasters, and I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna be able to speak at all tomorrow. Uh, And then Chance, uh, we're doing a split sermon this morning um, on Ephesians 6, but Chance uh, is actually kind of afraid of roller coasters. He's actually very afraid of roller coasters. (laughs) And it was hilarious, but because of his courage, he rode one roller coaster yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's it up. Yeah, and He hyperventilated and went to the car. <laughs> no, but I, I'm, what I'm saying here is that I'm just super excited to be here. Um, I'm grateful to be here, we all are. It's our last Sunday, whether it's at Peninsula or the, the Tidewater or here at Coastal. Um, but we'll remember these days for the rest of our lives, I'm yeah, sure. that. Yeah, um, so we're going to continue on in Ephesians 6 this morning. Um, so you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to actually continue our study of the full armor of God. Or in the Greek, the, the panoplia. Uh, I know that you guys like your Greek, so I'm going to <laughs> The panoplia. Um, and, and you got to love this passage. right? No matter how many times you've heard it, and we've all heard it many times, It is so powerful. I mean, it's so inspiring and poetic and it's a masterpiece of description that Paul pins to close out this letter. As the Holy Spirit uses him to encourage the saints to persevere and to keep alert of the enemy that so desperately desires to creep in on us and destroy us. But he fails because we have victory in Christ. And on top of this victory we already have in Christ, he's also equipped us with this full armor of God. Oh, yeah. um, and, I, and I know Ed mentioned it last week, but this this phrase, full armor of God, um, Paul, when, when writing this, he likely had in, in his mind this idea of this Roman suit of, of armor. Um, and this, the, the people think this is because in, in, in Roman soldiery, it was the most powerful and the most gigantic and strong army there was at the time. And Paul was likely very familiar with the Roman soldiers. I mean, you think about them, him dragging around as he preached the word. He got a pretty eye-up-close view of their army. And, and when, when, when Paul uses this word this, you know mostly Gentile readers here in Ephesus, this, this word panoplia, Um, It it could not but help um, the thought of a powerful and intimidating Roman soldier. Um, But our God, since he's much greater than any nation, any um, any army, any any power that there is on this earth, our armor is so much better than theirs. And so today, I get the opportunity to talk to you about the magnificent aspect of this armor that is the shield of faith. Um, but make no mistake, okay, uh, me and, and, and Chance, we're doing different aspects of this this Roman uh, armory or the, the full armor of God, but it's it's the full armor, it's the whole armor, it's the complete armor that we're equipped with. Yes. Um, we can't have one without the other. Uh, one aspect is not greater than the other. Um, it, it must be taken as a whole concept. That's that's one of the main uh, parts that, that Paul makes. Um, but... I love this set. I love this aspect because, I mean, how often have we heard faith lessons? I mean, we've all heard a lot of faith lessons. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not yet even three years old in the Lord, and I've heard my fair share of faith lessons. Um, but it seems to me that we could all use more faith. Amen? Yeah. Like, it, it, it seems like it, it's always a struggle. We can always build up our faith in some way, shape, or form, right? So we're all struggling with it. In our own way, yeah. and so I'm grateful for today. And this great aspect that is the shield of faith. Um, but we've all heard this this overly sim- simplistic cliche phrase of "I hey, just have more faith." All right, you've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're going through something and they're like, hey, "Just trust God, bro," and you're like, "Okay, yeah, I know, I know that, I know that part, but what What, do I, what does that mean? What do I? What do I do with that? Just have more faith." Um, but the truth is, we do need to have more faith. Yeah. We need more faith. I was talking to a brother yesterday um, at the Bush Garden. We were talking about the faith of the first century church, the um, faith of the apostles, mm-hmm. and what they would think about our faith today. And it would just convicting what we are we discussing about that I mean, our faith. I, I'm, a, I'm a history major, and I love early church history. Right. And our faith today, compared to theirs, it, it's not the same. But it needs to be, because we have the same God. Amen? Amen. Um, and so we're going to get a little deeper today and figure out, like, how do we have more faith or um, how can we just trust God when we hear that phrase? We're going to see what God says about it. So you can go over to uh, Ephesians 6, and we're going to be reading verses 10 through 17. Starting verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong, in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I have one point this morning, and it's simply the exhortation given by Paul here. Take up your shield of faith. Amen. Um, again, I love this passage. And it's clearly set up as, as, a, as a military war mindset, right? We're, we're getting, we're understanding it in this way, this metaphor that that Paul uses. Um, but it isn't just some little little kid fun scripture to memorize in Sunday school. Uh, I knew like it seemed like I didn't grow up too religious, but it seemed like all my friends when I was growing up had some kind of armor of God poster in the room. And I remember that in Sunday school when we did go, we would you know cut out paper bags and put on the armor of God and have a shield and everything, and it almost like little kid, you know, made a little kid. Like, this is actually real. Uh, we actually do have an armor, um, and we're all in a war, right? right? Yeah. Um, and it's more dangerous and severe and brutal than all the world's wars that we have been in fight with since all the eternity put yeah. together. And I know, I know it seems like everyone here is in the Navy. Uh, I realize that everyone is in the Navy or has been. Um, so you guys you guys have a military background. Um, but this is on a cosmic scale, right? Yeah, this war matters. Yeah. matters. This war is huge. Like, it's eternally huge. Yeah. And I love how Paul uses this concept that faith is a shield against flaming darts or, or flaming arrows. Um, because every original reader of this letter would have known exactly what he was talking about. Um, this is actually this idea of flaming arrows is a very effective and popular military strategy um, in ancient warfare. Archaeology tells us this: um, when going to assail the opposing army, the first wave of attack would be to take javelins or arrows or these darts, around three foot, three feet long, and with a sharp iron tip that would penetrate. Almost any surface would fire, but these tips—this is the fire part. These tips would be wrapped with this thick fabric um, near the point, so almost like a ball. And and then they would be—they'd be plunged after being tied. They'd be plunged in this like thick, gunky, um, uh, combustible uh, material like tar or pitch or or, or something of this type, where you, you can it can hold a fire, it can hold a flame. Um, and just before they flung it or shot it, it would be set on fire, and so that these darts not only have the power of wounding, but they'll also burning. And the reason they were shot first, the reason that this was first in, between a battle or a war, um, because when they stuck into something, it would destroy it, right? It would destroy the protection. It would deteriorate it. would erode. I mean, it would set it on fire and make it weak. And today it would be like it would be like armor-piercing bullets or or, or um, explosive shells, and they were they were used to expose the enemy and, and, and tear them down, so that all the other concluding forces and attacks that would come after these arrows would easily penetrate and go in and destroy, to plunder, right. take captive. What Paul used here to describe the assaults of Satan against the believer was equivalent equivalent to these very darts that were the most formidable offensive weapons that they had ever heard of. Yeah. The devil is out to kill. And he'll use any means necessary. This is serious. Yeah. But praise God for giving us a worthy defense. Oh, the Bible tells us that faith is minor than the mightiest assaults that can be hurled against us, Amen? Amen. We have a shield. The Roman soldiers had a small, round, and, and lightweight shield that they would use for combat. That's not the word that is used here in this passage. This there's two. They had two shields, but this shield that is used is this um, four by by four feet by two and a half feet huge, oblong, heavy, strong um, um, shield that they would use. Um, for the case of these fire um, darts, these fire arrows that would come against them. Wow. And, and the reason why this shield was so much more minor than this other small little round shield is that, so it was thick wood um, that they could you know, hold up against them and, and, and have that protection because of how uh, massive and strong and thick it was. But the, the cool part was that it, it would be wrapped several layers of, of like leather and, and rawhide. Um, that would just be go over and over and over again. And so that when these, these, these flaming arrows came out and stuck into the board, they, they, they couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't burn up anything. They would simply extinguish themselves. Right. Exactly the way Paul uses it here. Um, they it, it would be quenched, and they would be extinguished. The warrior can come out against the attack unscathed. The believer, the Christian disciple of Jesus can face attacks and assaults and come out untouched or unharmed by using our shield. Um, Satan's crafty. I I understand that Ed did a lesson all about knowing your enemy, right? About who Satan is. And what an awesome lesson that was. Because Satan is crafty. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he hates us. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll work out any, it doesn't matter how he'll do it, he'll do it, he'll try to figure out some way to get into us. In um, this passage, it doesn't say that as we take up the whole armor of God, the attacks are going to stop. It doesn't say that as we have the shield that the, it's going to lighten up against us. It's not going to lighten up, guys. Yeah. It's going to get hard. It is hard being a Christian. It is the hardest thing you can do with your life. But God is mighty, God is bigger. And we are able to stand our ground against the coming arrows. The arrows are coming and they will continue to come. A no question What are the arrows coming at you in life right now? Satan shoots the different flaming arrows in our life. I mean, we all have our own arrows, right? The arrows of doubt. And this one's a huge one. I know for for me, um, coming off a of college campus, it seems like Satan's done a great job of convincing young people that there is no God anymore. Yeah. Um, that it's actually, you're you're more um, ignorant if you can believe in a God. If you can believe in that 2,000 year old book, then I don't know if you should even be in class with us. And it makes you start to wonder, like, how am I the only one that believes in this? You share your faith, it seems like everyone's atheist. And that, that, that didn't kind of, to shake my way when I first became a Christian, I started sharing my faith. Uh, but with faith, and if it is true and genuine, and it invites you to look into it. And it invites you to dig deep. See if there are any holes. And the word of God is true. And it only strengthens us. Because faith, being real and genuine, only gets built up. It doesn't get turned down. There's there's arrows of of lust, of sensuality sexual desire I mean you can you can go down the, the interstate and look at a billboard you can be flipping to through the TV shows and seeing image after image after image mm-hmm. yeah. the errors are real and they come in our way um, I know there's not a whole lot of teens here but the arrows of, of, of pressure in high school when it comes to sex I mean I became a Christian right after high school, because I don't think I had the character, and I think God knew that, that I didn't have the character to be a disciple in high school. Um, and so, teens always inspire the mess out of me, because when you guys are in locked, in, locked in a building for seven hours a day, when the world is at its most high pressure of do it, do it, conform, conform, you guys are getting all these types of arrows. Yeah. That you're suddenly weird if you decide not to have sex before you're married. Right. That you're weird if you don't go to the party. The arrows are coming, Stand guard. What about this arrow of bitterness? (laughs) That can come in, right? That's pretty penetrating. Um, We can have bitterness uh, towards other people. We can have bitterness towards God. Uh, Maybe you you planned out your life and uh, you thought it was going to go this way, but God did something completely else. And actually, maybe some of us are still disappointed in God here in this room. Um, maybe some of us are, are questioning whether, what is He doing? Does He hear our prayers or not? Is, is it worth praying? I prayed a lot, but none of it seems to be happening or, or going the way I want it to go down. And, and this bitterness can build up in our hearts. All right. Things didn't work out like you, like you wanted them to. Arrows of complacency. I'm so encouraged when I meet um, seasoned disciples. I won't say old. Um, seasoned disciples. <laughs> I said old. Okay. Um, you no, know, because it's it's inspiring to see the faith yeah. that you guys have. I mean, it's re, it's ridiculously amazing to see what you guys have been through. To see this, to hear the stories of you know of, of all the the crazy things that you've seen go on and the miracles. Um, but. If, if I'm only not even three years old yet and I'm so really tempted to just get in the routine when I read my Bible, I can't imagine it for some of us older disciples. That, you know, you get up, you pour your coffee, and you read your Bible and pray, and then you go on with the day. And it's just a routine. It's a routine. It's a habit. And and before you know it, you're just doing it to do it. Yeah. That is an arrow as well. Yeah. A sense of complacency. <laughs> you get in a comfort zone. You don't want to get out. Like Edison was talking about. And then we have the arrows of straight-up lies, right? The, the 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 lies that God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me. He loves everyone else here, but God doesn't love me. He doesn't care. He doesn't seem to have my best in mind. You know, I think it's easier to have faith for someone else. You hear someone come to you with a problem, and you're like, you, "You have faith, bro. This is for sure going to work out." But for ourselves, I don't I don't know if we have that same faith for ourselves. That God's gonna look at us with favor. On, bro. Are you? Am I really saved? Did I actually receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? You guys ever hear that? Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. For me, when God exposes sin. Amen. But when my sin's exposed and I see it for what it is, I can get. I can hear the lie of. Colin, you're never gonna get over that. I can hear the lie of that. Look, you, you can't do it. Just get used to it. I don't even know if you having a spirit if you're not being changed. But i got to have faith and take up my shield and say that the one who began this great work in me will carry it on to completion. we got to have faith and we got to bring up our shield. We have to be active with it. We can go on and on about these arrows coming in us, right? We just swap stories of these arrows that are and will come in us. But the Romans... They have their shield, and they use it to save their lives. But that's the whole thing with the shield, right? You've got to use it. <laughs> if you're a Christian today, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have the full armor of God. It's already yours. You don't have to acquire it. You don't have to go to the shop. You don't have to pray about it. It's already yours. Right. But we still have the option of using it or not. Right. Question. Are you using your shield You know, a shield's meant to be taken against and fortified against the, the, the arrows, the, the attacks. And that's what these Roman soldiers did. They didn't like, put it on the ground and, and use it as a mat. They didn't use it as a raft to, to, to be in the ocean. They didn't use it as a sled to go down the, the, uh, a snowy hill. I don't think they would ever do that. But you get what I'm saying, right? You've got to use your shield properly. The way God says to do it. Because you already have it. You just got to use it. Amen. We have to take up our shield of faith. Yeah. Are you using your shield? Yes. Or are the arrows coming in and setting ablaze your soul? Destroying. We can have protection from these arrows. Our shield is only strengthened. By really believing and reading our Bibles. God, amen. Amen. To really trust in the promises of God. To trust in His words. To warp and change our messed up reality in accordance with the Bible. And if we truly believe what the Bible says, if we can know our Bibles and not believe it. If we really believe what it says and we live accordingly then what can come against us? Amen. Yeah. What doubt can come our way? What lust or, or temptation can come against us with our shield of faith Amen. that is on His might, not ours, on God's might? What can come against us? As we, as we are with our band of brothers and sisters, and that we go against this battle, unified as one, knowing our Bibles, using them against Satan, and taking up that shield of faith. There is no one. There is no thing. There is no being, whether satanic or not, that can take that away from us as disciples of Jesus. But we got to believe it. So I encourage and I implore on, on the sake of Jesus Christ to take up your shield. And to go and fight with confidence. Not in yourself, but in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you so much. Amen.
1: it is to just be able to just survey the elements of the armor of God like just reading through this passage just like some of the things that are in it just like the helmet of salvation the sword of the spirit like whose closet are we in? Like Wonder Woman? Like it's just like crazy but these things are ours through God and it's just like amazing to go through each of these elements and really just to examine what they bring to us um so last week, Ed Anton did a really amazing survey going through all the elements. And um, he even like brought forth the Greek word, the whole armor of God in the Greek. That's the panoplia. I was practicing that in the car all the way over here, making sure okay. I could say it right. But um, it really just gives us this idea that we are equipped in totality with all of these pieces. Yeah. None of them are Latin. It's not as if, well, wow, I woke up today with my helmet of salvation. That should be good enough for me I'm a disciple today. Or, I forgot my shield, but at least I have my sword, right? No, Um, we need all of these elements in unison to be effective disciples of Christ. However, I believe there is great wisdom in looking at what each element adds to our faith. So, um, I would like to read the passage once more. Starting in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you will be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Shoes of peace. This element kind of snuck by me on my first read-through. It didn't really pop out. Like you know, you have this valiant like shield of faith. You have a sword of the spirit, but shoes of peace. what does that even look like? It looks like New Balances. Are they docksiders? Siders? Or maybe even heels. But um, it it could be heels. You have no idea. Like. It's really, like, what, what image do we have when we think of our feet being fitted with the gospel? And I don't know about you, but, you know, my heart goes out to sisters who are like, wear heels, those things are not functional. <laughs> I, I was watching um, Jurassic World the other day, and the actress in there is running away from raptors right. and heels. Through mud and everything. But in this war, we have something way more functional than that. <laughs> we have the shoes of peace, and so the question that's to be asked is, what makes an effective shoe, and what does the gospel equip us for? So um, the other day we had a campus team devotional, and um, we went to a local park and we were going to play soccer. So I was really excited to play soccer. It's one of the sports that I play well. Um, and I was even more excited to be playing against teens who were half my body weight. You know, like that. right. I get to show off my skills, feel athletic, you know, impress people. Um, but this particular day, the grass was really tall, really damp, and um, really thick. So I was in the middle of a maneuver. I had, had it calculated, like I was shifting my weight, I was pivoting, and then, on my way to the ground, I had a couple thoughts. <laughs> I had a couple thoughts, so spoiler, I was mid fall when I was thinking, I was like, I should have brought some better shoes, I should have brought some better shoes, so I could show them what I could do. Now, the Roman army were actually the first innovators of the first military boot. The first military boot, it looked a lot similar to a sandal, however, the the soles were very, very thick. Um, another common tactic of the day um, was to lay out peltics or spikes in the ground so that way, as an army was advancing, their feet would be pierced and they would fall to the ground and would be unfit. It doesn't matter what weapon you have, or what shield you have on you, or what armor, or anything, if your feet hurt, you can't move. Right? You are not moving at all. And the innovation of this sandal, they actually had iron spokes in the bottom that could dig into the ground just give them traction. This made the Roman army the quickest and fastest army in that age. Wow. They were able to sweep across the entire known world in 15 years and bring every single country to submission. Yeah, wow. They were quicker. They were faster. They were able to fight the battle in ways that no other country or other nation could do at that time. All because of their footwear. Yeah. So how does the gospel of peace equip us? Um, I guess you could say, no shoes, no service. Yeah. Come on, bro. The gospel message propels us forward step by step. It is what advances the kingdom of God. Amen. The gospel of peace turns a defensive operation into an offensive war. And we are his ambassadors in this war and we are bringing the message of peace to the world. The quickest way to lose a battle is to not know where it's being fought. And the battle we fight is in the spiritual realm. It's not here on earth. Uh, The two elements that I believe that is a component of any good shoe is at first, stability. And the peace offered in Christ is our stability. But before there's peace, there's war. And for there to be a war, there has to be an opposition. Before Christ, we stood as enemies before God. We were objects deserving of His wrath. Consider that. You were objects deserving of His wrath. God in His very nature is holy. It cannot tolerate ungodliness or unholiness. If we could fulfill the righteousness of um, of the law by ourselves then we'd be set, we would be reconciled to God. However, that's not the case. Um, sin to us is just like breathing. And um, to give like a quick picture of that would be like, but just, like even as I woke up, I was really anxious. Um, calling even brings on like, I felt like I was being a cell with darts of doubt and anxiety. My faith was not in God, my faith was in my ability. I was like, I need to be diligent, I need to write quicker, I need to highlight this. I need to be advancing myself forward with my own ability. I had no security in God, and rightfully so, I was anxious. However, through Christ, God has given us something truly amazing. And so I would like to supplement this passage with a scripture out of Romans. Um, Beginning in Romans 5, 9. um, Since we have been now justified by his blood how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Now, uh, not only is this so, but we may also boast in the God through our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom we have now been reconciled. The gospel does what no therapy can do, no self-help book, It you know there's no hidden knowledge about it, it does something that no other man can give you, Amen. it makes you right with God. Yeah. 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 Take anything from us to know that the gospel message makes people right with God, Come on. and until Come on. they're made right with God, they're deserving of His wrath. Yeah. And it deals with that which was offending this holy God. Sin is cleansed at the cross. Jesus is our is his peace offering to us. Just consider that. Consider standing before the army of God and we are in our wickedness, we are defiant to him, and he sends his son as a peace offering to us when he has every right to wipe us out. Yeah. It just boggles the mind that this is the God that we serve, that once you reconcile us to him that loves us so much that he wants to fight for us. He wants us. He wants to adopt us to his side to fight alongside him. Yeah. So he offers you peace before you can do anything else. So there's no use in trying to enjoy the blessings of the Bible while you're still at war with the blesser. That never made sense to me how people could live in sin and hold on to one scripture in the Bible or hold on to one commandment that's like God does my heart or oh there's grace and it abounds but we haven't been reconciled. Him yet peace in crisis is standing in front of us yet we won't take it right and we get really confused back in that day when wars were waged when you were conquered you went into slavery that's just how it wasn't like okay well we had a we had a misunderstanding I'm sorry about you know sending all those like trebuchets over your, your walls maybe we can make this up no you were adopted into the kingdom and this is how Rome... Um, Roman Empire spread so quickly is that as they would conquer, they would absorb and consolidate and learn from them and perpetuate their kingdom. God is much, much greater than the Roman Empire. Yeah. When God conquers, he adopts you to the You become slaves of righteousness and not slaves of sin. Yeah. And I know the word slave is very, very polarizing. You're like, what? I don't want to be a slave. I want to be my own person. I want to do my own stuff. I want to walk around. Make my own decisions. However, if this is your mindset, perhaps you didn't take the peace offering. Perhaps you don't understand the agreement that is offered in Christ. It's not your sins are forgiven, keep on going. It's your sins are forgiven, now you live for He who forgives your sins. You're under new lordship when you accept this peace term. And anything but leads to death. So um, it's just like imagining how this good news must have impacted the church, of the, the Ephesus church at the time. The Jewish people had their law. They had all these lists of things. It was just like, if you could fulfill all of these, you're right with God. You're good. Imagine the anxiety of having to come up with a sin offering every time you lied, every time you got angry, yeah. every time you got faithless, every single time. God gave you a way out, but you couldn't keep up with it. It led to shame and it led to pride that deceived people into thinking I know better. I'm good. I'm fine. So this great news that Christ offered was I will meet the requirement of the law for you and you will live for me. How excited as a Jewish person must you have been? It's like, wait, are you kidding me? Like, I'm filled with such gratitude now. I want to serve you because you taken the yoke of the law away from you and to the Gentile or the pagans of the day or the Greeks. They served gods that in their tales, they would descend from their like place in heaven, come down to play their games with mortals. They were just drunkards. They were seducers. They were rapists. There was no God that wanted anything good for you. However, this is a God that in your wickedness wants what's best for you wants to reconcile you, does not want to harm you, has plans to prosper you. And this is a gospel message, it's a gospel of peace. And God wants to equip us with this to like allow us to be firm. However, consider this, as World War II ended, the remnants of war were still left to be extinguished. A particular assembly of Allied and Axis soldiers had not received news that the war had ended. And the men would go on to butcher one another unaware that peace had already been ushered in. God's already won. There's already peace. Yet we live in a fallen world where people are eating and gnawing at each other. And even like consider to me, like I went to um, a very prestigious school, and prestigious because it was known as a partying school. And um, all the students by day, they Everything had an image of goodness. Everyone was smiling. Everyone was excited to share about their life. Everyone was excited to do great things. However, at nighttime, it devolved into a completely different culture. It devolved into drinking, into insecurity, into sex, into drug usage. But the thing is, as shocking as that traversion is, that's our society. It's double-minded, double-faced, and it's full of self-justification. And that's not to beat you down, but it's just to speak the truth. There is nothing in this life that has permanence that's worth holding on to. And so, like, why cling so tightly to a computer screen, pornography, to give yourself comfort, to medicate yourself or numb yourself with drugs or alcohol or relationships or people in your life that, frankly, don't what's best for you there are so many people that i know that believe that they have the answer they have people in the world that is um actually people (laughs) this is people we're dealing with people here um so many people believe they have the answer and they're scratching themselves and they're tearing themselves apart just to try to convince someone else that they have the truth they're like i have the answer you just just be hype man just party it out the other person's like, no, I have the answer. Just work towards your success. Just study them. Oh, I have the answer. Just find a husband. Marry. Settle down. Find your security in your family. However, you know, as they get older, kids move on, kids move out, and then what's left? We have so many short-minded goals that we think are truths. However, God just strikes that all down. He gives us one truth, one standard. And he makes peace with us. Like, what? This God that we serve is amazing. And this gospel that we have within us begs to be shared. How could you? There's more peace in this room than there probably is within, like, I'm going to guess 50 square miles if we don't hit the peninsula building. But just like saying, there is more people who have more comfort in this room than any other place in the city at this very moment. In greater collections. are people whose families are being torn apart with anger, with passive aggression, with um, destructive relationships, abuse. Why would we hold this peace to ourselves? Do we understand what this message means? So while this gospel is the very foundation of our salvation, it also prompts us into readiness. Back in Ephesians it says, having Shoes for your feet. Put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You see like this complete turn. It goes from defensive to an alarm, an alert. There's something to do. I'm compelled to do something. Does the salvation of the people around you matter? Yeah. We can say it matters. Like, oh, I'm going to share. I'm going to love a loss. They're fine. We can see like, oh, okay, that person wasn't open. I guess they want to go to hell. Or whatever, they're lost. How can we be so flippant? Good news. If someone had the cure for cancer right now, and they they would just run around and be like, I want to cure everyone. Here, I finally have the antidote. You don't have to see your friends and family waste away to a terrible disease when I have a cure. We have the cure. And do you believe that? Or are you struggling to make the gospel true for your own life Sometimes I think the peace that we settle on is complacency, that it's a calmness, that it's like everyone is happy, you know, I feel like even some relationships is just like, you know what, I'm not gonna like confront this person because I just want peace. Or I'm not gonna correct her because she'll catch an attitude. Or I'm not gonna, You know, I'm not going to discipline my son because I read in some book that if you discipline them too much, they're going to grow up and have ADD, which everyone seems to have nowadays, but,
0: you know, we make excuses to not impact the people around in our life. Like,
1: what is that? This is good news to be shared. There is peace on the table waiting to be accepted. Why would we withhold this from the people around us? Unless we didn't understand the gospel ourselves. This world is a world that lives in apathy, which is the furthest thing from love there can be. Love actually passes through hate, because in order to hate something, you still have to be invested. In order to hate something, you have to be invested. But to be truly apathetic is, I don't care. Not today. I'm tired. I'm not ready yet. I'm not equipped yet that's just false humility. Are you kidding me? We have this whole armor set in our closet just begging to be used. We have these cool shoes of peace. We have all of these things that God has like supplied us. And you know, God is amazing. None of us need to enter into this equation. It's all God. Why would I use my words in an argument when I have the word of God instead? He transcends everything. So it's like not even me. It's like he does this all for me. So how... Um, a passage I used to wrestle with, was just thinking of um, when Jesus promises rest, saying His burden is light, and I was like, Jesus, your burden is not light. You're telling me to do some crazy stuff, like reconcile with people and not be angry. And like, I don't know how I can do through all this. But the thing is, it's just it's light because none of my thoughts come into play. It's all God's work. And this is good news because trust me, I have a lot of thoughts that need to be silenced. <laughs> I have a lot. I'm a very anxious brother. I, mean, I struggle with doubt myself. But the thing is, you know, faith comes from hearing the word. And I just like appreciate what like Colin shared about having this faith that shields us from this assault that we are being struck with. Just the dark. But it is this gospel that advances the full armor of God and gives us a purpose. But every component is ordained by God to aid us in the spiritual war. And the stability of the gospel message serves as an even footing for disciples. Disciples knowing what this word is, studying it out, repenting for the forgiveness of your sins, being baptized into Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit. Amen. I encourage you to to examine your faith. To examine the lives of people around you. People who are living hazardous lives. People who are torn apart, though you
0: may not see it, smiles are deceptive. People are being torn apart by
1: anxiety, by Satan, by you know expectations that will never be met without Christ, and we have that which brings peace. This has given me a lot of peace, just because um, a year ago I was actually I was actually one of the people that Colin was speaking of about. Um, Wow, you believe in God? Are you kidding me? In this twenty-first you know century age, with all this technology and all these good schools of thought, how could someone believe in God? But that just reflected my own lack of understanding of the gospel message. Right. I was like, wait, there's good news here. I was like, I thought Jesus was just like a guy that ate bread and wine all the time. <laughs> I actually think that was something I said out of study. But <laughs> it's just a it's to show that. People are so defiant because they lack an understanding. Yeah. What does it look like? And in this age where so many people are full with ideas, you know, stop letting these people in our country, break away from this, do this, like Black Lives Matter or, you know, gay rights, like there's so many causes to champion. And we can't just sit on words, we have to be
0: propelled to action. Yeah, we have to be ambassadors of peace, we have to run to the war. Yeah.
1: The gospel message means peace for those who have accepted it, and this gospel mobilizes the church to charge forth and bring the peace of our redeemer to this fallen world. I would like to leave you with a single story about one of the greatest conquerors of all time, and a foolish king. So, a king is met with a delegation. The delegation says, hello, um, I'm representing my master, and um, we're going to take over your kingdom now. And here are the terms. The king, upset and raged that someone could come into his court so defiantly, killed the messenger. A second messenger came with more people. The messenger was like, taken aback by the aggression of the king. So he said, I notice that you're very upset, and um, perhaps you don't know who I serve. My master is very powerful, he is very ambitious and he wants you to join his kingdom. The king, still disgusted, killed the second messenger. And then yet a third messenger came and the same thing played out. When the master heard what happened to all of his allegations, he decided he doesn't even want the kingdom anymore. He swooped in and erased every ounce, every trace of that kingdom's memory. The conqueror is Genghis Khan. He diverted the river to completely starve the land of its resources. He salted the earth. He erased his kingdom from memory. Yet he gave the kingdom three chances to join. God's wrath has been forestalled for so long in each of our lives just to give us a chance at peace. God's much more merciful than some barbarian from the hills. Our God is the creator of our life. He's the orchestrator of our faith. He's in control. And he wants peace with us. He wants us to extend this
0: piece to the people around us. Thank you. Wow. No, they were
1: just here about over a month ago. You know, the staff were right here.